welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far-off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us and this podcast, please visit us at rollwithadventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to Roll with Adventure. This session's campaign is of salt and blood. My name is Cass, and I am the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into the tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This session begins in the late afternoon of the 6th of Altor, in the year 1069 PR, as the party recuperates after laying Aleki Caligos to rest and leveling up. Now... Before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. So, what intelligent delight or mind-numbing tale have you to share with us tonight? So I read this thing, this little piece of writing advice, and it said that you should write the story that you need to hear which kind of sounds self-indulgent, but the person's argument was, if you need to hear it, there's likely other people that need to hear it as well. And I was like, you know what? I write for a hobby, and it's like a relaxing, cathartic kind of thing. So yeah, I think writing the story that you need to hear sounds like really good advice. And seeing as I have read that really good advice just before National Novel Writing Month, I'm going to give myself a plus two. So ironically, mine's kind of in the same vein as Allie. Uh... So I've been struggling to write a book for like, I would say like over a decade. Hold on. Almost two now since high school. <laughs> uh, but I found out from TikTok of all things, there is a term of writing called, oh, what was it called? Something. Oh my God. I can't believe I forgot it. Short fiction, I think it was called. So the premise of it is you write a like fiction story with like 150 to like 500 words, very small, but it's supposed to help you practice writing, which... Is something I thought I would tr- give a try, so I'm going to take kind of a plus one because that was kind of an interesting find. You've heard of sunbathing, right? But have you heard of forest bathing? Well, I hadn't until this week where I learned that forest bathing is a practice that was started in Japan. I'm sure many places, but currently it's dated back to a Japanese health craze a couple of decades ago where you go out and bathe in a forest the same way you would sunbathe. And apparently it's shown to reduce stress chemicals, like genuinely. So go out and enjoy nature because I learned that and I'm going to take a plus one because it was very nice to learn. So everyone go outside. Non-US of A listeners will be interested to know there are some pretty weird laws in some of the states here. And I have selected some of my favorites. The first being in Alabama, 
it's illegal to drive blindfolded. So there's that. I desperately want to know what prompted them to feel the need to make this a law. I, that feels like a very valid law. Like, you definitely probably should not drive blindfolded, though, right? Like, I, I'm in complete agreement with this law. It seems so reasonable. A good law for everyone. In my home state of New Hampshire, it's unlawful to pick up seaweed off the beach. In the great state of Indiana, where I currently live, I love this, as in, it's illegal to ride a horse above 10 miles an hour. Now, I'm not sure what the clock of a full-speed horse is, but if you're riding your horse at 10 miles an hour, I guess you should be pulled over. Well, anyway, I'm taking a plus one because there's a lot of interesting facts out there. I love that. All right, I know last week I promised terrifying ocean creature facts. Fortunately, I failed, so no terrifying ocean creature facts, but... I do have a really interesting ocean fact, and that is that at the widest point of the Pacific Ocean, it's wider than the moon's diameter by over five times, which I don't know why that blew my mind. I just think I thought that the moon was bigger. So yeah, the moon's not that big and the Pacific Ocean is really big. I'm going to take a plus one for that, I think. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying to imagine with how long we've lived and with our technology. I think it's only like 5% or 10% of the ocean's been explored. Something low like that. Well, let's see what you all roll. Okay, fine. I got a 14. I got a 15. I rolled a 3. 21. Lucky 13. Hi, I'm Allie and I'm playing Maya Volta, a cleric of Kane. And as you may know, at the end of last session, we all leveled up, except for Maya, because ghosts are kind of stuck. You can't level up a ghost. So unless the party brings her back, she will remain at level three. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. Hey, everyone. It's Carlos here, and I play Marcus Evander, the human scout of the Tower and Army. Marcus has changed just a little bit. Uh, nothing big. It seems he's got himself a new patron and has taken a level in Warlock. So let's get on with that. I'm Disco, and I'm playing Alice, the level four druid of the homebrewed half-moon circle. He is a radiant genasi. And now that he's level four, he's got a new feet, and I'm not talking about the ones you walk on. We'll see what's new about him. <laughs> hey everyone, my name's Corey, and I play Kalina Floros, who is a human fighter that was an ex-soldier of the Tauran army. And her level up, I took a feat uh, called Bullwilling to kind of match with her typical fighting style. Uh, so this will let her one hand a non-light weapon along with any other weapons. So I could technically do all two longswords if I wanted to, although that's not really her style. Hi, I'm Emmy. I'm playing Sylvie Antaeus. She's a half-elf monk who's now level four. And as for her level up, she decided she's still all four levels in monk, but she did decide that she wanted to try and 
communicate more with Ashen, very much inspired by the way Maya communicates with Kane. So we'll see how that works out for her. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Me too. Nobody else is going to die on our watch. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. The whisper of your breath. The beat of your heart. The whistle of the sea's breeze. And the gentle creak of the branches. Greet your ears in the resounding silence. Around you, the barren soil and stone path of the conservatory are desolate. All vegetal life decayed, burned, and stripped away, save for the shell of the great tree that resides in its center. As you each stand, sit, kneel, or lay near the open grave, the soil banked on either side begins to flow like water back into the depths, covering the bones of Aleki, Mariana, and Prana. Kalina, you're quick to jump out of the grave before you too would join those that rest within it. And before all of your eyes... The grave is filled. Moments pass. A small hint of color breaks through the earth as a thin seedling ascends. Two variegated leaves unfolding around a small yellow bud, a sign that new life can find purchase, even in the darkest of places. Following the intense combat you've been through, the strange events that have occurred. What are each of you thinking and feeling in this moment? I think Maya feels like really good. We as a group, we've accomplished something that we set out to do despite this awful house. And it's, I think, one of the first really positive things that have happened to us here. So we it's like a sign that we can make a difference. And the fact that her prayer to Cain seemed to have a real effect feels really good. So I think she's just kneeling by the gr grave, feeling very grateful and happy. But momentarily, she's going to remember that her friends are quite hurt and uh, try to do something about that. Kalina is just kind of staring at the grave. A lot of Aleki's story echoes with how she was when she was younger. So it's kind of a mix between anger and guilt, mainly. Because basically she kind of sees herself as in him and another path that could have happened besides the one she actually went through. Marcus is pretty quiet, kind of just staring, and he understands what it means to you know, love someone and he would do anything to bring back certain people. But he also feels a strange new connection and just maybe in his mind or his innermost being, he doesn't really know. He doesn't know the feeling. Maybe he thinks it's just indigestion. I think Sylvie's a little bit stunned. It feels 
Like every time they've taken a step in this house so far, it's just whacked them right back. And this feels like a real success this time. I think she's also reminded that fear can really make people do crazy things and that it's something she doesn't ever want to let control her. Alice's eyes glance over the ashen landscape, following the burnt trail left behind, admiring his work. And then his eyes settle on the newly sprouted flower. And he's very curious because he's never thought of bodies that were buried in the ground that have a soul returning to them in a positive way to reach the afterlife as a great fertilizer. And could it be that it has something to do with the positive emotion of the rejoining of the corporeal form underneath the ground that causes the reaction of nutrients for plant life rather than something that's been rotting there for a while? So he's pondering that. And yeah, maybe maybe this would be good for gardening. As thoughts continue to rattle around within each of your skulls, a ball of pale green light similar in size to Maya's forms above the grave before two others, a pale amethyst and a pale rose join it. They float above the grave between you all, swirling around the small budding plant before they gently land at the base of the tree. The light expands shimmering into the forms of Aleki and Mariana in their youth. They sit, leaning against the tree, in simple homespun garb. In Mariana's arms is a small baby swaddled in a cream-colored blanket. Aleki looks to you. The eyes that meet yours are not clouded with rage, nor are they tainted with magic. I have caused you great harm. My actions, though twisted by Quintil and his master, cannot be forgiven. For that, I thank you and place myself into your debt. He bows his head low, though his arms still protectively clutch Mariana and Prana. I think Maya's going to look to Mariana and say, We did what you asked. What do we do now? She will look to you, Maya, and then she will look to each of you in turn, ending by looking at Alice. Each of you has shown great courage. Each of you have helped to break the bonds that hold this house together. You've done all that I know, all that I can ask of you. And then she will look to Maya. I do not have the answers, but someone else you know does. The one that gives you form. He is as old as Quintel. He stood there when he died. I'm sure that he can answer your questions, at least in greater detail. And then she'll glance to Aleki, and then back to your group. We will tell you anything you want to know, anything that we can help you know, 
We've been trapped here for a very long time. We've learned. We've heard. We've seen. But even we do not know the darkness inside Quintil's mind. Does it have weaknesses? Aleki will look to you. It is bound. And it is old. And just as cloth when it becomes old frays, so do those bindings. That is how it ensnared Quintil. That is how it ensnared me. It draws power from pain, from fear, from hate, and from blood. Its domain are the sea caves beneath this house. And you'll see him wave his hand out towards the rest of the house, and you will see the house itself waver, shimmer, twist. This was but a manifestation, an extension of its will. We lived in but a small cottage, but this was my dream for us, and so it gave me it. It gave me everything I asked in return for blood and pain and hate. It brought Mariana back. I watched Prana grow. But they were as much prisoners here as I was. And he'll grow silent. You're telling me that Kagosa of the many mouths, the ancient and terrible dark deity, is literally living below us? Like, right below us? Like, down there? And Alice will point down. I do not know if it is a deity. And I do not know how it ended up there. Quintal did not tell me that. He did not share. But its presence... Its presence exists in the depths. Bound here somehow. Shackled. Chained. Queen will get up and walk in front of Aleki's ghost. I understand why you did it. I probably would have done something similar. But I can't forgive you for causing the death of one of my friends. And then she'll just turn around and walk back. Aleki will simply hang his head. He knows that words cannot console you. Normal words change anything. Does anybody else have anything they want to ask him? I mean, I'm just stunned that this, like, terrible dark thing lives here. Like, did the first explorers know this when they got here? Like, is... How long has this thing been here? Are we trying to do the unbinding on this place of it, like selfishly and releasing this dark force into the world? There are many factors here that I don't think we really thought about. Well, do you have a way to kill it? To kill a god thing or whatever it is? We have to... I don't... Wait. And I'm going to remember the petrified wood and like look to Sylvie. The dagger... Wasn't there something about the dagger? I I have a dagger. Is is that helpful? The petrified wood. Wait, like out of character. We learned about the the petrified wood in character, right? You and Maya learned about it in character 
but I was gone. I was way far ahead, so I didn't learn about this. Oh, right. I was like, wait, was that out-of-character information that I'm, like, bringing into character? <laughs> okay, right. No, Old Man Longstep shouted it at us as we ran past, but we were so far behind everybody. I think we're the only ones that heard it. Oh, that's right. Because of our low athletic che- athletics checks. That's right, yes. Yes. Well, Maya and I were really slow. We heard Old Man Longstep prophesize about... What did he say, Maya, about the petrified wood? Uh, I, I think he said it would be able to hurt the monster. Well, are we going to try and kill Quintal and maybe hope that that breaks whatever is happening, or...? Well, if I can say... I don't know that we can kill a sh- god. If I can say, I think what we've already seen here is that we can't really kill any of the ghosts. We can poof them, but what really kills them or rids really rids us of them is allowing them to pass on in some way sorry ghosts are we taking up your time before passing on by arguing amongst ourselves do you have appointments or something and i'll look at the ghost mariana will smile and look to you well we are at peace now we are still anchored and stuck we can't move on Oh. But we at least can spread our influence above. Until whatever Quintal has done has been broken, we will remain bound within this house and these grounds. Only when that is undone will we all rest. Well, that's very nice and kind of you, but do you know if whatever is binding you here is also binding the god to the space is that above your ghostly pay grade as mariana is about to answer the smell of smoke reaches your nostrils and standing at the entrance to this to the conservatory is a man garbed in clothing hundreds of years out of date a man with wild hair Half his face is severely burned. The other half is Quintal's. Maya, you recognize him. But the other half definitely looks kind of like Quintal? Oh yes, the other half looks identical to Quintal. Stamanus. Kalina will get up and draw her sword. No, no, it's okay. What do you mean it's okay? It is not okay. Kalina gives Maya a puzzled look. This is the one who saved me. This is... Stamanus. The twin brother of Quintal. Oh, <gasps> gasp! What? Twin? Maya's gonna turn to Aleki and Mariana and say, We've learned so much from both of you. From you, Mariana, the boundless depth and strength of love. And from you, Aleki, a warning to us all on how our best emotions, even love, can be turned against us if we're not careful. This experience has taught me to weigh the price of what I ask for, of what I do. Thank you both for everything that you've done. And then she's going to turn away from him and, and walk up to Stamanas. Maya, it's a lovely sentiment, but she didn't answer my question. 
We kind of got distracted. It's fine. It's fine. We'll go. We'll go. I think... I think... She did not answer your question. Because that is mine to answer. Oh, yours? My brother Quinto stumbled upon the caves beneath the lighthouse. You see, we were born here. We were born some two hundred and so years ago. Born to the lighthouse keeper, Mikalos. Well, I moved to the town, and I walked amongst the day. My brother found solace in the caverns. He spent his time here, listening to whispers. Whispers that led him deep, deep. Whispers that called to blood. And when he gave it, it gave him gifts in return. It gave him an unholy power over people. A commanding sense. It is hard to explain. He began with sacrifice of animals. And that is when he learned that its name was Kukosa. The blood letter. The scion of Sako. The red. The predator. It has gone by many names. But Kugosa, that is its favorite. He was not bound here by mortal magic. It was bound by the gods. And so mortal magic cannot undo the binding. But it can create a loophole. Each sacrifice, each drop of blood, you see the binding bound its body but not its soul. My brother seeks to build it a new one. Build it a new body, one that now gestates in flesh beneath this island. One that will soon birth. And its soul will move to that. And it will be free. And the seas will turn red with blood. And all shall go mad in its wake. 
uh, uh, excuse me, um, Mr. Burnman, can we just take a step back and re- reiterate what you you just said? Are you saying that there is a evil blood god under this house named Kagosa, and your brother has been sacrificing people and animals, different things like that, controlling them, informant and body of sorts to unleash upon this world and kill us all? That is accurate. Well, shit. Well, do you know how to kill it? It cannot continue to grow without Quintil's supply of magic. Just the negativity of this place, of the prison, is not enough to feed it. It must have power funneled to it. If you kill my brother, if you free your friend who he holds prisoner, whatever damage you may be able to do to the body will delay it. But unless he is put to rest, he, Kugosa, will rise. So we must stop Quintal. And destroy the body if we can? The body exists beneath the temple. It is far in the deep. You will not be able to touch it. Is there a way for us to strengthen what binds Kugosa to make him weaker? That is not within your power. Kugosa was bloodthirsty. Kugosa demanded more. What I have learned of this isle, of its history. Kugosa was hurled against this rock, driven deep beneath it, bound beneath the very floor of the ocean. And as he died and decayed, but endured, the earth was angered. You have his existence to thank for this island. He is why the Vasekun continues to burn. And should he wake, his rage will unleash in ash and fire. He will wipe this island clean, and then he shall take to the water once more, and it shall turn red in his wake, as those who are prey hunt predator, and predator hunt prey. Not for food, but for fun. And all who drink of his water, all who swim in his wake, shall know that madness. Oh, we can't let that happen. Cannot let the seas turn red and the ground explode. We have an orphanage to worry about. I keep hearing people mention predator and prey. What? What's that mean? Kugosa is one of the kin 
one of the children of the deep. He comes from the greatest predator of all. There are more? Of predator and prey, it is said that he is the most cunning. Kugosa, he does not simply fight you. Not just in the flesh, but in the mind. He will turn friend to foe. Bonds of loyalty become bonds of hate. Love will die. And he will make even prey devour predator. But as he is the predator, you are his prey. And you hunt him? Do you not? And so prey shall hunt predator. I really don't like this idea of being prey. The sound's not good for our health. It's not honest, but... Well, it wouldn't just be right just leaving the ancient dark god of blood madness or whatever under our feet without doing something about it, so... I think the proper term is demigod. I'm sorry, really, you're right. It really lessens the fear factor for me that there is a giant demigod who has a body of some sorts under this temple who will unleash a blood uh, hurricane of some sort everywhere if we don't stop him. And I thought, you know, just sit here and have a nice life on this island, maybe, you know, get old, but no, blood blood demigods, sorry. Back to the original part. I'm sorry. Well, if we're gonna hunt this thing, I need a minute, and Kalina will sit down in the just sit down in the grass, is like, oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I'm pretty hurt. I'm so sorry, everyone. I've, I've been so busy talking and, and thinking of it, and I, I'm, let me help you, I'm so sorry. And Maya's going to float sort of where she can see everybody. And she's going to say, First among the divine, through me, your servant, show your mercy and benevolence and restore my allies. And as Maya's saying this, her little ball of light expands out so that you can see her form. And she's got her hands raised into the air and then she quickly swooshes them downwards palms down facing the ground and it's as if she's calling pillars of light from somewhere above you and a pillar of light sort of comes down and moves through each of you and as it dissipates into nothingness at your feet you regain some hit points and that's Prayer of Healing, so up to six creatures of my choice that I can see within range regain hit points up to 2d8 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. And I assume I roll the 2d8 and you all regain the same number of hit points? Correct. And I will, because we are out of combat, I will waive the 10-minute casting time. Thanks, Cass. Yes, I thought about doing it in combat, and then I was like, oh, it will take how long? Never mind. <laughs> By the time I'm done, we'll all be dead. Let's just assume Marcus went on a 10-minute tirade about how it came to this. <laughs> yes. Everyone gets 15 hit points back. 
Whoa. That's a good spell. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. That feels a lot better. Oh, that was... That was beautiful. Yeah, Alice is completely restored. (laughs) It would be like that sound that you would imagine glass, you know, fusing back together. Sounds like that hissing. The reverse glass breaking. Right, reverse glass breaking. Whoa. Maybe, I don't know, with... Perhaps we should take a few more minutes to rest? Yeah, I'm up for that. I am sure you have many more questions. Rest and ask. Do you have any advice on how we should approach your brother? I think we've run into him once or twice, and so far it hasn't gone fabulous. My brother is arrogant. And that is a fault. It is how I killed him. The first time. In his arrogance, he thought that he had everyone under his sway. And so as he sacrificed each member of the town one by one. When it came to my turn, I slit his throat. Unfortunately for you, he was not the beast that he is now, then. He was but a man. But his soul did not move on, and I vowed I would not till he did. Does anyone know how we can hurt a ghost? Well, I have an idea. And thank you for your first attempt, by the way, at removing your brother from this plane. What drove Quintel to the caves? Why? Did he choose darkness over light? I think perhaps it is easier for me to show you. And he will reach out his hand and touch Alice's head. Alice, you are going to see this island. You're going to see it from an overview perspective. Time seemingly racing backwards. The town of Walltown... The prison, even? The prison slowly dismantling as the town gets smaller and smaller, until suddenly the town is a rather new town, a smaller town. And then you will see the black stone tower of this lighthouse. And as you're looking at it, you're going to realize that's not a lighthouse. You know what that is. That's not a lighthouse. But we'll handle that separately. Oh my. As if perhaps time has gone back too far, because there is a little cottage that's built by the not-a-lighthouse, suddenly vanishes, and then starts to reconstruct itself. And it reconstructs itself, and from it, you see a man and a woman, and you hear Stamanus' voice. Mykolos. Enestra. Our father and mother. And then you'll see two young boys playing. You're not sure exactly what happens, but you see both of them come up to their parents. One is praised, the other is not. And it happens again, and again, and again. Each time, one child raised above the other. If I could go back, 
I would have done anything to not lose my brother. You see, heaped upon Stamanus, opportunity. Well, his brother? All he'll ever be is just an apprentice lighthouse keeper. When his father dies, that's what he'll be. But his brother? His brother gets to go off. His brother can study. His brother can make something of himself. And then there's a whisper. This way. And you see one of them disappear. The brother that was never celebrated. The brother that was never cherished. The one that did everything wrong. When he emerges, he's different. Not physically, but the way he carries himself. And his parents praise him. And then a short while later, they praise their other son, and they don't praise Quintal again. And then he disappears into the caves, and he returns. And they praise him. Longer this time. But it still goes away. And then you see him push his father from the top of the lighthouse. And then he also pushes his mother from the top. And slowly, one by one, begins to cut a bloody swath across this island. And somewhere in the deep, you hear a sound. Thump, thump. Thump, thump. A heart, slowly growing louder. Stamanus releases the connection touching your head, and you're yanked back into the conservatory. Uh, oh, uh, you know, I appreciate the information, but the next time that you invade my mind, can you ask me first? And, you know, his cantrips that are emotionally tied like Druidcraft and Minor Illusion kind of leak out as, as his hair stands on end a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> as he's angry but then it settles and Alice gives the half burned man in front of him a knowing glare Stamanus will look at you it has been a very long time a very long time since I have been with people forgive me very well you are forgiven now Pass off into the afterlife, or whatever it is that you do when you've been at peace. But, Alice, he can't go until... Oh, right, the anchor. You stopped Quintal. I don't know. Drift away into the wind. But, 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 Alice. Hmm? I have a question. Drift off after Maya asks a question. You said that, that it might be possible for us to save our friend. 
Do you know how we can free him? He will look at you. It will not be an easy task. That I am certain. I have not watched this place for that long. I have not seen much this past while. And he will turn and he will look to Aleki and Mariana and Prana. You have watched here much more than I. Does the friend even truly still remain? And Mariana will look to you. He does. Your friend, Timaeus. He still exists in there. It is a tragedy that he is here even. Quintal has long been a whisper in the wind here. Seeking someone that would let him in. Seeking someone suitable. A host, a medium of some kind. And your friend, laid, sick, ill, close to death. I'm not sure even if Timaeus said yes, or if Quintil simply overpowered him. Unfortunately, Quintil has a very powerful grip over him. From what I've seen, he locks him away inside his own mind. And only when very powerful emotions have been at play has Timaeus been able to struggle to the surface. I can only think of two possibilities. Neither will be a physical, though someone will still have to contend with his body. Hold it at bay. Keep him distracted. Keep Quintal distracted. And she'll first look to Sylvie. Someone who Timaeus has already surfaced for. Someone who has a connection to him. They may be able to break through to him. But it would be like going inside someone's mind. You can't do it physically. You'll need to connect. And then she'll look to Maya. Quintil possesses Timaeus. Perhaps from the inside, another strong spirit might be able to push Quintil out. And as she says that, her eyes will lock with yours, Maya. I don't really know how, but I'll try to find them. Should we go back to the basement or the tunnels under this tree? There are two entrances. The cave entrance. That one. This tree is buried over it. But the tower 
with the proper magic, it can be opened. Unfortunately, I was not privy to that secret, nor have I been able to learn it. So, tunnels under the tree, it sounds like. Sounds like that'll be our best bet. There's a tunnel under the tree? Yes. It, yeah, oh, yes. The tree's hollow, and there are tunnels underneath. Do you think maybe we should rest before we go? Yes, we should We should finish resting. The, the task that we have ahead of us is not going to be an easy one. Maya? Mm-hmm? Do you have that course of action spell where it's like, if I do this, my god will tell me if the probability is good or not? Do you have that spell? No, um, I, I don't, I don't have that spell. Okay, all right. I'm just, you know, worried about your body being gone for that long amount of time. Oh, oh, that reminds me. Do, do any of you, and Maya's gonna look at Stamanis, Mariana, and Aleki. Do any of you know where my body is? If it was taken by my brother. Then it likely sits in Kugosa's temple. Oh, I don't like that. Well, I know where that's at. You do? It's what I mentioned I saw in the kitchen. Oh. It's what he showed me. Right. And out of character question, Cass, it's basically through... Like, I know the entire way to get there, right? If you were to follow your memories from what you saw, you think you know where to go. You're unsure if there are any paths that lead off of it? Okay, well, clean it would assume she knows very well exactly where that temple is if we're going to rest I can help you with your memories too because I will burn a spell slot <laughs> I will burn some energy there we go to locate object is my body an object I guess it your body has is. objects on it that I'm familiar with like I don't know clothes I've made perhaps Right, right, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Technically, corpses are at both an object and a creature in this weird way. At the same time, they're not by the D&D rulings, which makes so much fun. But uh, <laughs> yes, Alice definitely could use, say, locate object on the tunic that he made Maya with his own two hands. And I don't track you guys, like, all the time. <laughs> I'm not just sitting there being like, oh, where's, you know, Marcus right now? Or, you know, I don't, you know, I don't do that. I don't use my magic like that. Okay? We know, Alice. It's okay. All right, I guess we'll, we'll have a little rest. And then climb down the tree. Does anybody have rope? I do. Oh, perfect. So, as a group, what would you like to do? Are you going to attempt a short rest? Are you going to attempt a long rest? What are you going to do? Thinking short rest. Yeah, I think Kalina would recommend resting for a short amount of time. Don't think we have a long rest time. Yeah, I think it does make sense as a short rest, but... Yeah, it makes sense as a short rest. If we went to Hime's shrine, would we get a long rest if we had a short rest there? 
Unfortunately not. You must actively make the choice. Are you going to take a short rest or a long rest? If there are consequences to either choice, you'll have to wait and see. Ugh, I don't like that answer. I mean, I think from a story perspective, it makes more sense for us to take a short rest because this is a creepy murder house. And while we have done one good thing, we actually haven't been back to the house to see how much of a, an effect it's had on the the horribleness of the house. Plus, um, Maya would like to find her body. But I also know that all of you want access to your fancy new abilities. I'm curious to know if anybody has any story reasons for taking a longer rest. Yeah, I agree. I think we probably, it makes sense as a short rest. As much as I would love all of us to have full spell slots and hit points and everything before we go into this next. I mean, I have everything. I am. I have one spell slot. Yeah, and I am full. Yeah. We're pretty healed and... A short rest give me, gives me key points back, so... DM. Yes? Could I make a persuasion check with you? Because I have... <laughs> abilities that are regained on a short rest. Can I make the case that I can now use my abilities on a short rest? For the please? Let me think about that. And maybe we'll see if something happens on this short rest. Bum, bum, bum. Let's see if you guys will make it through this entire short rest. I'm not going to sleep. I'm keeping watch and staying awake. Right, you don't have to sleep on a short rest. You can just, like, relax. Oh, that's right. Quiet, Quietly undo your macrame. Everything's fine like that. It's not like anything would make you fall asleep. It's very relaxing here in this house, so... Just send your shark people, Cass. So here they're loud. Doom, doom, doom. Right, why should we have to go to the shark guy? The shark guy can come to us. Cass, can I write in Druidic before we take a short rest and burn speech specifically in the ground around us? Ah, what would you like to write in burn speech? I would like to write bugger off Quintal. It doesn't get that specific in Druidic, but you can put that general idea out there of Quintal bad. Quintal bad. Quintal, please self-ignite on fire and die. I want to ignite him. I don't want it self-ignited. So, going through this rest, the first thing we're going to start with is Alice. Alice. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Oh, Alice. Oh, like this. As you're undoing your macrame, as you're working away at it, you're... Cat snake purrs. It's so warm. As it purrs and as you undo your macrame, you sort of begin to fall into a bit of a trance-like state. And a voice surfaces in your memories, Alice. A voice you have not heard for a very long time. A voice you owe so much to. Oh, no. We go to visit a very important person today, Borealis. You will be on your best behavior, won't you, my little dove? But first, we will walk the city a bit. She had cooed 
sickeningly sweetly to you, as you sat on her shoulder, bound into the form of a white dove, one of Baghilda's preferred forms for you. She walks through the streets of a vibrant city in a time you know is no longer remembered. It was your 18th birthday, and the first memory you have of Saros. The first time Bake Hilda had brought you on her triennial trips to the Southern Bastion, as it was called. The streets bustled with activity, peddlers calling out their wares, lovers strolling hand in hand through the lanes, people of all walks, race, and creed. But most of all, what stood out to you was the magic. You had seen magic worked every day of your life by Begilda, but here, in Saros, it seemed as if everyone used it, for everything and anything. The very air was alive with it. As if she knew what you were thinking. Rampant use of magic. Wasteful. Magic is to be hoarded and collected, not frivolously used. Frivolous usage will only bring about the attention and ire of greater things. Magic does have a finite number of sources. You had asked her questions, cooing her ears off as she moved through the streets, slowly making her way down to the docks, where she offered a small child a sweet. The child had reached out towards it before his mother had snatched him back. Antea, no! The young lady holds her hand up. Forgive me, honored grandmother, but he is just a child. Her eyes were filled with fear as she backed away. Baghilda chuckled as you heard the mother admonish her child while whisking him away up the street. You never, never accept treats from someone you don't know, especially not an old crone. She could have been a hag witch. She could have even been Baghilda the Black. She steals naughty children. Do you want her to steal you? She even stole the king's son. But you had barely heard what the mother said. For as she stepped away, a brilliant flash of light had lit the sky. You remember rearing above you a tower of green-black stone, capped with a dome of crystal, had glowed briefly before a beam of light flew from it to connect with another tower in the distance, on the far side of Lake Sayed, that connected to another and another. The various storm clouds and banks of fog dissipating beneath their arcs. Ah, a sea beacon. Before the falls, these stretched across everywhere that the Eltharins touched. From Aventai to Atzacan. Its dense jungles crawling with the Sargade elves, who keep the Nazashlan, the children of the land, locked in slumber. These beacons even stretched 
to the sun-kissed deserts of Zaridae, where the living gods of the Silns Adir walk freely amongst their children, and across the sea to the distant shores of Hadoom's exiled lands. Tochishino, the land of the Hadamin, now the once mighty sorcerers of Eseros, heirs to the dwindling might of the once great Iltharin Medjocracy. <laughs> they cling to remnants of the past, trying to maintain what they have, when they should instead look to the future. Their time will come soon enough. The age of Arcanum is ending. Too many things are drawn to power. And we all pay the ultimate price in the end. You sat on her shoulder, transfixed and mesmerized at the vastness of the Sea Guide's majesty. It is strange, though, that you remember a building and that interaction, but you don't even remember who you visited that day. He must have been important for Beg Hill to have brought you along with her. You almost think you can half-remember a face. But you really can't. Sylvie. You spend your time mostly thinking. And as you do, Timaeus's face comes to you many times. The small interactions you've had. The small moments. The chance meetings in the street. The times in the prison when he was kind to you and your friends. You know he can't be this monster. And you hope that you have the strength to make it through to him. Maya. As your friends rest, you continue to speak quietly with Stamanus, with Mariana, Aleki. Of course, you can't speak with the baby. She is legitimately a baby, but you speak with her parents. Is she like all human babies and sucks up all the attention and 90% of the conversation has to be about how cute she is? Or the noises she's making? Or her facial expression? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you probably spend the majority of your rest locked in conversations like that. But you feel something. And everyone, all the ghosts, seem to feel it as well. You almost feel like something is moving beneath you. Far beneath you. That it's shifting, jiggling. Like a babe in a womb. And whatever it is, it's evil. Ew. Maya tries really hard to ignore it and fully throws herself into cooing over the baby because honestly, these people didn't get that chance during their lives and they're about to pass on. So this is their opportunity to have this baby and have like a normal, happy interaction about it. Can you give me a perception check? Oh dear. That's a 23. As you're talking, you get this feeling of being watched and you quickly turn and look, and you can see in the distance a figure. 
the figure is hazy. You can't actually see them. But they appear to be a cloaked figure. And they stand in the rose garden. And the others, the other ghosts, they look to you. And they nod. And Mariana looks to the figure. He stood there since we died. Always waiting to take us to rest. But he can do nothing? No, he waits. He is patient. He is kind. And perhaps this time that we have been here, perhaps it was meant to make up for the time that was robbed from us. And for that I am grateful for his kindness. And Maya, you know, the figure standing there is perhaps but a sliver of Ashen or one of his servants. And that when this house, that when these spirits are free, that he will open his cloak and usher their souls beneath it and he will carry them beyond. As our short rest finishes up, as everybody, you know, begins making motions to get going, Maya would turn to Aleki and Mariana and say, you could do one more thing to help us. Of course. If he feeds on fear and anger and sorrow, then perhaps a little happiness would hurt. Enjoy your time with Prana. They'll smile. And Aleki holds Mariana and Prana close. We already are. Thanks to you and your friends. Kalina. Nothing happens. You don't have any weird, strange dreams. Don't fall into a trance. Don't see any weird, ghostly stuff. You've been through enough. Woo! I'm boring! <laughs> we'll just say, we'll just say occasionally Kalina is actually, like, taking, like, little glances at the family. But that's about it. While she's sitting. Excellent. Marcus. 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 What do you do for your rest? Well, Marcus would sit down. His knees hurt. His back hurts a little. He's trying to tell himself that he'll never jump on some sort of evil thing again and try to rip its head off. And he'll just kind of zone out. Your eyes slowly drift closed. And as you open your eyes, you find yourself not in the conservatory. Rather, you lay on a pebbly shore, each stone polished smooth by time, by air, by water. Above you, the sky, a pale blue, and the rays of soul kiss your skin. You hear a quiet sound, the gentle lapping of water, and you pull yourself up 
drawing your knees close to your chest, hugging them close. Though the surroundings are unfamiliar, you do not feel a sense of fear or concern. You look out over a shallow lake. On one edge, mudflats. On another, reeds, river grass, and other plants. And where you sit, a pebbly beach. As you look beyond this lake, you realize that it is fuzzy. You can't see beyond it, except for the faint impression of vast mires, of swamps, of rivers, of beaches, of plants that grasp and hold. Hello, Marcus, a voice says, the voice from your dreams. You turn your head to see a woman standing one foot on the land, another firmly in the water, a woman you had not thought you'd ever see again, your mother. But something is different. Her skin, it's the same olive tone as yours. And her hair is the same dark black you inherited from her. And her eyes, it's the eyes. Her eyes are not the pale eyes of your mother. They are a brilliant turquoise. And the voice, it is the voice from your dreams. Mama? She'll gesture down at her body. I can take another form if you would prefer, but this is a familiar one for you, one that you care for and love. It is your mother's, and I am fond of the form of a mother. I don't really know who you are, but I don't know if you can do for me or not. I have been called many names. I have worn many epithets over the years, but true names, true names have power, power I sadly do not have anymore. My name is not my own, and that is a small part of what is wrong, part of what I have chosen you for. I will do the best I can to serve you, and the... Uh... Looks like we're about to go in the thick of it, and I may, uh, I may not come back. If it's, uh, if it's in your power, do you think I could, uh, do you think I could see Miranda again? Please. She will bow her head, her hair slowly falling over her face. Not much changes from her, but as she raises her face and her hair flips back, it's changed. The color, the eyes. No, everything is Miranda except the eyes. Still is, uh, still as beautiful day I met her. Thank you. All those who serve me 
are rewarded. I don't know what I can do. I don't got a lot of skills, but I'll, I'll do the best I can. I chose you to fix what is wrong. To set things the way they are meant to be. As they were in the beginning. Before others committed unspeakable acts. Seek my blade in the place they call Atsakan. Seek it. Raise it. Follow it. It will lead you to what must be done. It shall be your guide. You'll see her sort of sway a bit. Even now, I feel my strength fading. To reach this far to you. To reach across boundaries. To reach near this heart of darkness. Her eyes will go pale for a brief moment. They vent my power to weaken me. And you will see her fall. And now she is half sitting, half laying between the water and the earth. Could I rush over to her? You can definitely rush over to her and catch her. I do so. And I just... Does she still, like, look like Miranda? Yep. She'll reach out to you. Touch your face. Soon. Soon I will be too weak to speak with you. To reach out to you like this. I must instead give you the tools to find the blade. When you wake... You will find that I have awakened within you a gift. The gift I gave you when your mother first promised you to me. What? I will explain all in due time. Whatever weapon you raise shall guide you to my blade. Read the runes. Look past your faults. She'll gently brush your cheek. Look past your inabilities. Search for understanding in all things. You must not become trapped within the very mire that is your own self-doubt. You can do great things. Do not be mired by your own power, as I have been. Please, please don't go. I have been lonely for so long and I feel whole. And I don't want you to go. I don't know who you are. I'm talking to some strange lady on a beach somewhere. But I feel at peace and I don't want you to go. She opens her mouth to speak and as she does your vision blurs and she doubles over in your arms crying out perhaps as if she's been stabbed and another voice a voice you realize should not be in this private world of yours 
a voice that you've never heard before. A voice that is heavily accented. Perhaps elvish. But at the same time, not. What do we have here? A hole in the prison. Did you think you could escape me? Did you think I would let you slip through my fingers? No. Look at that Ishibo. Shatsa Kodaye. Your screams give me strength. Her face contorts in agony as she brings her hand up to your face, turquoise light flaring from the tip of her outstretched hand, blinding you. Her voice echoes as the world around you seems to collapse around you. Go. Be free, my shackled one. Seek my blade. Seek your destiny. Awaken. I will. You awaken. Your eyes slowly opening and adjusting. Your body hums with energy. The hairs on your arms, they stand on end and you feel a lightness in your muscles. Behind your eyelids swim words and gestures of arcane power. You feel refreshed. You feel whole in a way. Under typical D&D rules, taking a short rest after leveling up would not give you guys access to your new abilities. But I'll allow it. All of you can have access to your fourth level abilities and spell slots and spells. Oh my god. Yes. Thanks, Kaz. Huzzah. Heck yeah. I wish that meant something for my character. Oh no! <laughs> you can now use your feet! Yeah. I mean, I can't do anything fancy either. Right, Maya really missed out here. Oh, I didn't realize feats had to take a long rest. Anything you gain from leveling up, except for the actual spell slot, you don't gain your new spells. You you get access to the spell slots and your he- and the new health. Everything else? Have to take a long rest before you normally get it. Oh, I missed that part in the book. Or forgot. <laughs> I was like, well, that doesn't affect me. I'm a fighter. I don't have any special cool spell slots. You each awaken. Or come out of your trance. Or as you end your rest, you just feel refreshed. What are you guys going to do? I don't... I think I can carry the rope. I could try to carry it to the top, of, but I don't even, I think even if I could carry it to the top of the tree, I don't think I could tie it. Is anybody good at tree climbing? Maya? Yeah? Yes? Can you sleep as a ghost, or do you just not? Oh, we haven't tried. I don't know. Oh, oh. Did anyone else sleep during that little short? I was, I just knocked out. Nothing special or anything. Nothing happened, but you know. Well, we've been through a lot. That's understandable. I did not sleep. Me neither. Yeah, I just kind of thought about everything. Yeah, same. I mean, it's been a lot. 
I imagine I can get to the top of that tree. It doesn't look that crazy. I can I could float along ahead of you and maybe point out some good handholds. Yeah, I'm sure that would help. I can give you a boost. Oh, perfect. That'll make it even easier. Can I attempt to climb the tree? With the help of Maya and Kalina, you don't need to make any rolls for it. You'll just be able to slowly, successfully climb the tree, and even if you didn't, falling from the tree is not high enough to deal any fall damage, really. Especially on this burnt soil. Well, I'd have to fall pretty far now to take any fall damage anyway, so... Yeah. So, with that, you are up in the tree. You can tie the rope. Are you going to send the rope down the dark hole in the center of this tree? Or are you going to send it down to your companions so that they can climb up? I think I'm going to send it down to everybody so that they can climb up first. I think that makes the most sense. Thanks. Can I ask a observational question? Go right ahead. Does it look to Maya like if all of her friends decided to climb up the tree and hang out at the top and then wait for turns to climb down the inside of the tree, that the upper part of the tree could hold all of them? The tree does look quite sturdy, but also it has been cored out somehow. Sylvie? Yeah? Was it hard to climb up? Well, I didn't think so, but I mean, with everybody's help, it was pretty easy. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty athletic, so I've never really had too much trouble climbing trees anyway. But I mean, if you don't have practice, sometimes it can be a little tricky. Just a little, I mean, now that we're up here and I'm looking at it and how hollow the tree is, um, do you think that if everybody climbed up the rope that the tree would hold them all waiting here at the top to climb back down the inside? I don't know. Maybe? I just, I don't think we have any more rope, so... Okay. I guess it depends on if everybody thinks they can climb up without the rope. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess we'll find out. I mean, how far is the drop down on the other side? Do you th Are we gonna get hurt if somebody falls? Cass, how much farther is it down through the tree trunk? I mean, it's obviously farther than to the ground, because it goes below the ground. Including the tree, down into the cave, if you were to hazard a guess, between 40 to 50 feet? Mm, looks like maybe 50-ish, or, or maybe a little, a little bit less. It's more of a drop than it is to the ground. That makes sense. I... I don't know. I feel like we should have everybody climb up first, but... Okay. I mean, I, I don't really know that much about trees, so... Yeah, okay. Toss the rope down to the people on the ground. With the rope, each person will be able to climb up one by one. Is anyone doing anything specifically before they go up the tree? I take that resounding silence as a no. Therefore, you all make it to the top of the tree, and you can cast the rope down into the dark. What dark? Maya, do you want to go first, and that way you can yell if there's anything? Yes, yes. Uh, and Cass, I glow a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We can pretend that you are the emanation for the point of light for your light spell, since you're still carrying your fork, ethereally. Maya has become the fork. I love it. 
I'll, uh, I'll make it a little brighter down there as well. Anybody want to go down first? Or second, I guess? I'll go. I'll, I'll go right after. Everyone that is climbing down, so everyone except Maya, since you can float, please give me strength athletics checks with advantage. Kalina got a 21. I got an 18. I got a solid 10. I have received an 8. How far apart are each of you in climbing? Are you going immediately after Kalina, Marcus? Or are you waiting, like, 10 seconds, 30 seconds? Marcus will wait 20 seconds. You wait about 20 seconds, and then you begin descending. It's probably... You've made it partway down the tunnel around you. Dark. The light from Maya doesn't really reach up here that well, and the light coming down from the crown of the tree doesn't reach down as either. But you can tell that the stone around you, it's changed. It's not the same surface substrate. It's becoming so, perhaps some kind of sandstone. And then you slip. Oh, oh, oh. Kalina, can you give me a dexterity saving throw? Okay. Uh, oh, that's a good one. 26 with a nat 20 on that one. Okay. I will give you a choice. You can either try to catch him, or you can try to jump out of the way. I will definitely try to catch him. Okay, give me a straight strength check. Not a saving throw, not a skill check. Ooh, five. You were rolling so good! (laughs) It was so good to know all y'all as I go down to my death. (laughs) Marcus, you will take eight bludgeoning damage as you fall and smash yourself onto Kalina. And Kalina, you will take exactly half of that. Four bludgeoning damage. And I rolled two different set of dice for this. And I still got exactly half. Oh. 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 I hate this tree thing. Are you okay, Marcus? I've definitely been better. He has cuts, contusions, looks a bit bruised. Kalina also doesn't look very good. Was it Sylvie next and then Alice? Or was it Alice and then Sylvie? I don't think we decided. Alice, do you want me to go down first after seeing Marcus and Kalina? That way I can try and catch you if you fall? Of course, but there's no way I'm gonna fall. You're right. You're so talented. There is no doubt. So then Sylvie and then Alice last. Well, I meant more I'm like aerodynamic. Like, well, not aerodynamic. Like, aero-undynamic. You're right. Sylvie, you disappear. You begin climbing down and you note that the substrate begins to change around you, becoming more sandstone. And as you do, you note that there are some strange impressions in the rock, and you eventually come into this cave beneath. As you are, Alice, how long do you wait? I think I would hum a tune in my head to give myself enough time. Like a happy birthday length, black as night length. No, happy birthday, because it would be significant to me, because it's one of the few modern, like, music that i heard for the first time so Uh, the next question was going to be if it was like the length of say the tune that maya played on the torture device 
but happy birthday works. <laughs> you will plant one hand firmly onto the rope. You will slowly begin lowering yourself. You'll make it part way, and you'll slip. Around you, the colors of this tunnel, they shift. They go from that grayish stone to an almost greenish, reddish stone. A sandstone of some kind, or a stone at least with similar physical characteristics. But you can't really think of that as the wind rushes past you. Sylvie, will you please make a dexterity saving throw? Okay, I got a 13. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike Marcus, you will not be able to jump out of the way and then try to halt Alice's descent. Uh, No, he will just fall on you. Alice, you'll take 10 bludgeoning damage, and I rolled two different sets of dice again, and Sylvie, you'll take 5 bludgeoning damage. We found the real final boss. <laughs> Just a tree. Just a tunnel. It's fine. It's fine. So do we all, like, f- fall into, like, a pile? You would hear the crack of glass. <laughs> yes. Ow. 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 Yeah, you are all in similar piles. You had barely just rolled out of the way before Sylvie got down and then was crushed by Alice. Ah, this is the worst rope ever. Around you is a circular cavern. Off to one side, you see a tunnel that leads up. And from the thin bits of Maya's light, those of you with dark vision can make out that the tunnel that turns up heads towards the base of what Alice knows is a sea guide, a beacon, a remnant of Iltharan magic that once allowed them to command the seas. Branching off from this is another tunnel, one that looks cramped, barely wide enough perhaps for you to march single file through it, and the walls here are slick with moisture. What will you do? Is everyone okay? Uh, I, um... Yeah, just give me a minute. I've lost half my hit points. <laughs> Never better. I mean, that could have gone more smoothly, I think. But, I'm, I mean, I'm okay. I think I'll need to teach you guys how to climb down a rope. Yeah, it turns out I'm better at climbing up than down. This, this rope was slippery and ghostly. Not fair. I mean, we did find the rope in this horrible house. So I guess maybe we should have expected it. Mm-hmm. It's probably cursed. A cursed rope? Do any of you look back to the rope? Yeah, I do now that I hear it's cursed. I want it more. <laughs> the rope moves. Oh, God. Oh. What? It twists to almost look at Alice. And then a tiny little fragment of the rope in the middle of its what could be considered the end of it, the head. So it juts out like a forked tongue before it zips its way back up, leaving you without a rope, without any chance to escape. 
what was that? I really hate this house. Oh, I can't say this enough. There's snake ropes. Can I whistle and try and call it back? Like, come on, come back. Give me an animal handling check. Oh, no. Alice. That is a dirty 20. I, I was like, is that a 10 or a 19? Is it a 10 or a 19? You let out a whistle. A whistle that is like a hiss. Like the sound of wind being blown atop the top of a glass. Shearing. Making a distinct bell-like tone. And slowly you'll see that tip of the rope come back down. That central piece of thread of it flicking out like a tongue. Tasting the air. Does it bite? I think that's where I draw the line. I want out of here. Of course it doesn't bite. No, 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 no. Come on. Come back. Which way do we go? The rope falls and begins to coil at the bottom. It has untied itself from the top as you asked it to come down here. Kalina will pull out her hunting knife. Okay, if that thing lunges this way, I'm stabbing it. Alice will go and try and pick the rope up. It lets you. I'll slip it into my bag. Be like, all right, everyone, let's go. You want to carry that thing around? Well, how else are we going to get back up there? Marcus will take two steps away from Alice. Oh, everyone, I just wanted to let you know, this is a sea guide that the lighthouse is actually. It's an old kind of magic, and I just remembered. So, to my understanding, it, it controls the ocean. Is that correct? To your understanding, at one point networks of these were dotted across coastal areas and between coastal areas and islands or trade routes. And so long as ships kept in relatively straight lines beneath the arc of energy connecting between two sea guides, they were able to traverse the area with pleasant winds and it would dissipate storms, would dissipate fog. Monsters, of course, were still a problem, but it allowed for trade to be done to far-off continents. Well, everyone, I think destiny has brought us here for an even deeper purpose. Because that sea guide could very well be our key to a safe journey through the mist. And Alice will, like, briefly explain how it works. Be like, no big deal or anything. No. So it's not a lighthouse. Well, it is. Well, it serves a purpose similar. Wouldn't we need more than one to make it to Atsakan? I believe one is waiting for us on the other side. But before we can even get there, we have to get out of here. Right. Which way should we go? Yeah. Where did you see? Uh, was it an altar? What was it? I don't remember. Oh, it was Kalina. Oh, Kalina, you saw the altar? She'll nod. And I don't remember casting it. Show me through this way, or was it like once I was inside of the lighthouse or sea guide now? You've seen this chamber you're in, and you know that the passageway, the thin tunnel that heads down, it's that way. Marcus and Maya, with your passive perceptions, 
you can faintly hear in the distance the sound of the ocean. It echoes upwards steadily, like the pounding heart of a great beast. Kalina will point towards the thin one. That's the way to the altar. Of course it is. Maya will start floating in that direction. Can I hear the ocean? Or or something else? Yeah, I hear it too. That's strange. I don't hear anything. Yeah, me neither. As you begin to travel down this tunnel, all of you will slowly, one by one, begin to hear the sound of the ocean in the distance, echoing upwards. And you will come to a roughly T-shaped chamber. One that is filled with brackish pools of stagnant tidal water. The cave bears clear signs of watermarks on its walls, showing that it has likely been flooded by some of the fiercest storms and the highest of tides. Scattered about the chamber, you see these small pools, various bits of detritus scattered about. To the east, there's a cavernous passage and what looks to be a glimmer of light. To the west, there is another cavernous passage, though this one leads deeper. Kalina, does your vision tell you where from here? Yeah, we keep going down. I don't know what's the other way, though. Should I have a look? Or do we want to ignore it? Could be useful. Marcus, Sylvie, what do you think? I don't know. I sort of feel like we should just keep going in the direction we are supposed to head, and I think I'm just ready to be done with this place, this situation. Rip the bandage off, so to speak. Cass, am I mechanically allowed to use my familiar now? Yes, you can. As you're about to say something to whisper... Your cat snake will crack an eye open, and then it will yawn. Are you really sure you want to go down there without exploring all of your options? How do you plan to get out? And then it will close its eyes again, nestle around your shoulders. You're right, I mean... I don't really have time to look that way, but... All of you heard that voice. Oh, okay. Oh. What? Okay. What was that? That's different. Oh, that was just my neck whispering. It it was just creaking. That's not a normal thing people say. I'm pretty sure it it, it said words, Alice. Have you ever, like, polished... Perhaps a wine glass or something, and you think it might say words, but it's just, you know, not that. No. No, I haven't ever. Oh. Why would you polish a wine glass? You're right. How silly of me. Speaking of wine, I... Oh, right. I might have an imaginary friend. And I'm... 
I did not think all of you could hear my imaginary friend. It's not another ghost, is it? Well, not exactly. It's more of a a necklace, if you would. And your necklace talks to you? Well, to all of us, apparently. Are we all just going crazy at the same time? No. I think that's definitely possible. We very well might be. As Alice says, we very well might be. There is almost this strange sensation. You see around Alice's neck, draped, this almost amorphous shadow. And then pinpricks of color begin to come to it. And then this sort of wave. This prismatic rainbow-like wave that leaves in its wake a brief moment of gold before it fades into the colors of green and white and red, revealing Alice's familiar draped around his neck. Is that a, a cat? A, a snake? What? At least it doesn't look like a ghost, I guess. Kalina pulls out her dagger. Oh, oh, you can see it. Oh. The familiar looks towards Sylvie, opening its eyes, and then licks one of its paws and goes, Technically, I'm not a cat snake, nor am I a snake cat. I'm a tatzelworm. And it sort of makes a gesture with its paws, like, Why didn't you know that? You don't really look like a worm, but... W-O-R-M or W-Y-R-M? That depends which language you're spelling it in, dearie. Uh... Just pick one. Common? Aventian, Tochishin, the seven common languages they speak in Zeraday. Aventian. With a Y. Oh. So does this mean I don't need to stab you? No, Kalini, you you do not need to stab my necklace not actually well how can you how can they see you now does he have a name or do we just call him tatzel are they dead i am quite fond of this form so you could call me tats but i do have a name and very quietly it will whisper its name into alice's ear i feel like i mean this is important and interesting. But every moment that we spend here is another moment that Timaeus is fighting Quintal and maybe losing. Right, right. I didn't I didn't mean to distract you all just suddenly could see it and it had to <laughs> But anyway, um hey, um do you think you could go and look in that direction for a little bit where the shiny is. Oh, no, that's beneath me. You're my legs. <laughs> Perhaps if it wasn't in this house. I see. I see. Well, we're technically in the basement, so it's kind of below the house. Just like you're below me. All right, all right, all right. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry, everyone. Let's keep going. But are you sure that you want to leave behind any kind of possible location that could be an avenue of escape or possibly an avenue of reinforcement for it to send terrible, horrible, monstrous things at you from? 
I think I agree with the snake worm. Oh, so are we going to go check out this shiny area then? We're leaving a whole house of horror behind us. Uh, so I don't know one more tunnel will make a difference, but at the same time, maybe it couldn't hurt if we're, if we don't take too long. All right. Uh, a quick look then. Yeah. Before you move, can I stick one of my sewing needles in the wall of where we are right now? Of course you can. Okay, I'll be doing that. So you stick the needle into the wall. It goes in quite easily. Then you move into this opening. And down into it. Unlike the other chambers in this cave system, this one is illuminated by the last vestiges of sunlight through a large opening in the far end of the cave. You're unsure how long things have been. You thought it was noon not that long ago, but it appears dusk is approaching. The sound of waves and a refreshing sea breeze wafts through this open cavern. Clear high tide marks can be seen along the middling edges of the chamber, marking that this room is flooded with some regularity. As you move towards the opening, you see that it is a large opening, and it's approximately 15 feet up from the ocean below. Jagged rocks and swirling currents twist and pull around this edge of the sea. Though the jump itself would not kill you. The waters below look quite dangerous. The wind, as it enters through this cavernous mouth, echoes and billows like the howl of a creature. And as you gaze out over the ocean, into the distance, as the sun sets, you see the two moons of Idris, the larger Ptolemy, also known as the Grey Mother, and the smaller Ashta, the purple child, both shedding but pale slivers of light into the sky. You note that the two of them appear to slowly be aligning, and where they overlap, the moons turn red as blood. A bloody lunar eclipse is beginning. And that is where we'll end this session. That's not ominous. Oh boy, is it not at all? A bloody lunar eclipse. Nothing. Well, nothing bad ever happened to eclipses, blood stuff. <laughs> it's just a blood moon. It's fine to worry. Especially not in a house full of other horrors already. We're fine. Listening to Roll with Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, 
please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. I did. No, I blew my good roll very beginning on player initiative, and I'm doomed. Give me a flat D20. D100. D100. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Give me a D100. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. No, I didn't. Thanks for the lore drop, Cass. That was something. What kind of lore drop? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks for the emotional roller coaster, Cass. <laughs> Poor Marcus. Right. Balling. Balling over here. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We're just going to go fill our drinks. We'll be back. Carlos. Yeah, okay, bye. I've just never met this weird woman. And it's fine. <laughs> you can go grab some Kleenex. I, I was using my hoodie. I didn't even care. <laughs> okay, see you guys in a minute. All right, see ya.